The Education Apple, episode 18, recorded on July 17, 2013. Welcome to The Education Apple. This is Bill Brazil, your host for today, and this is the show that discusses Apple technology in the formal classroom as well as just the technology as it affects our daily lives. And um, we like to kick around a lot of topics around uh, the, uh, the world of Apple products as well as just the technology uh, community itself. So a lot of things are going on these days. We've got a lot of news to discuss um, and share. So um, our cast tonight, I've got uh, Barrett Mossbacker with us. Um, he is the superintendent of Briarwood Christian School, and he also publishes a blog, uh, the Christian School Journal. And Barrett, uh, it's good to have you tonight with us. How you doing? Bill, I'm doing great this evening, and as always, it's a pleasure to be with you and with our listeners. I'm looking forward to the podcast this evening. Yeah, great. Yeah, it's been uh, three or four weeks, I think, since we last got together. A lot of things are going on during the summers we're going every which way but um it's good to be back and uh, a lot has happened since the last time we talked so we've got a lot of interesting news to talk about i think um i don't think the uh the technology world ever takes a a day off so there's lots of happenings going on and um got a few lined up to discuss tonight so we can just jump right in and uh see where this takes us but the um, the first thing that I've got on the list to talk about tonight is around a subject we've uh, chatted about a few times in the past, and that's the um, the smartwatch project that uh, supposedly Apple is working on. And um, of course, it's all rumors at this point, but there is a lot of movement in the community with uh, some other. Um, uh, companies right now working on smart watches and wearable technology so it's probably not a stretch to think that apple is certainly doing doing the same and uh busily working in their labs trying to put together a product they can they can uh roll out and the um the latest news is that they're aggressively hiring uh for their smart watch project and uh some people think it's going to be late uh, 2014 before they really have a a uh, a product to launch which uh to me I'm I would think that's a little bit late I would hope we'd see something uh before then another year and a half uh year three months year and a half that seems like a long time uh, well it, it is and it gives the uh, competition a bit of a head start but you know on the other hand Apple wasn't the first one out with an MP3 player either and uh, so I guess I would just assume them take the time and do it really really well. Yeah. Uh, but yes, yeah, it's certainly slower than I was anticipating. I I was frankly anticipating maybe this coming fall uh, towards Christmas season. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um but you know it may be that uh, some of the the issues and the engineering problems they're running into or are not easy to resolve and you know i think a big thing around a device that small is going to be the um the the powering the battery power mm-hmm. to run something like that and um you know I, i'm sure that's a a big thing that um you can't have the battery taking up the whole the whole size of the watch because then they wouldn't have room for all the other smarts they need to pack into it so um, well, and, and and I would think too, Bill, that th- I would think that they're shooting for more than a day's worth of battery life. Um, I, for one, as much as I look forward to the prospect of an of an iWatch, really don't want to have to be charging my watch each evening. Yeah, exactly. Uh, too, so, so. Yep. Yeah, and I've got I've got a um, a GPS watch that I use for running, and um, it it when I have the GPS running, it drains that battery pretty pretty quickly. I can only go. Um, a couple of days when uh, I've got that uh, engaged, and even then it's not constant. So battery life is a big issue for for that device, I would think. Um, mm-hmm. But there, you know, there's a lot of uh, of uh, other things that they've been doing that's just been kind of uh, hinting at um, working on this device. I think uh, about a month ago they hired a guy from another company. Uh, uh, clothing company i guess it is the eve saint lorraine company um paul denevay um was a C- ceo at that 
uh, for that company. And so he was hired into Apple to work on special projects. So that's uh, likely to be one of the special projects. At least that's what some people think. Um, so that's that's going on. And then also uh, Apple has uh, been found to be filing some trademark applications for the iWatch name and some other countries and of course you can't slip that by the uh <laughs> the technology world anymore i think that's what they try to do when they when they register stuff like that in other com- countries but um that that jumps up on the radar pretty quick so uh that has uh, been seen to happen uh, about a month or so ago as well so definitely some things going on we just don't really know what it, what it's going to look like and uh when it's going to hit the market but Hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later. But you do make a good point, Barrett, about uh, getting it right. And, um, you know, it's it's probably easier said than done. So Yeah, um, I, I would think. And, you know, and actually Tim Cook has made uh, state, several statements recently uh, reiterating Apple's uh, commitment uh, that they want to release the best product with the best experience and not before then. Uh, I don't know that they always hit that 100%, but I think they, they certainly see that as a key value for themselves, and it's certainly paid off. Right. Oh, definitely. So hopefully that'll that'll happen again. Uh, we'll just have to wait and see how that comes out. But uh, the next thing on my list here is uh, the uh, recent um, announcement from AT&T that it's purchasing Leap Wireless. Um, I'm, of course, I'm a, an AT&T guy, so that kind of uh, caught my attention pretty quick. But that's, uh, you know, that that has an impact on smartphones and and wireless, uh, just from the standpoint of um, uh, the big thing that they're really trying to do there is is capture uh, bandwidth and spectrum, and uh, that's something that. We don't really think all that much about, really, because that's something you don't see. But uh, in order to be able to provide the the uh, high-end wireless uh, bandwidth and connectivity, they've got to have that uh, bandwidth. So, um, you know, that's and, and it's a limited commodity too. So that's um, uh, important uh, to have and to be able to continue to provide the uh, next latest and greatest technologies that uh, come along. So. Um, I think Leap was about the sixth largest uh, wireless carrier. Of course, uh, there are two or three major ones, T-Mobile and AT&T, and um, then it goes down from there. But um, Leap has some, uh, you know, a decent amount of spectrum. I think they had uh, 69 million uh, customers, or, or it, not necessarily customers, but their network covers that many people so um you know that's another piece that at&t will be be able to to bring in to the fold and uh, uh add to the the number of people that uh their networks cover so that uh, hopefully will be a good thing and hopefully the uh you know they can get it past uh, the fcc and don't have any issues there as they ran into earlier with uh their last attempt at at this but um uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing how that works out. Now, uh, another another interesting piece of that was that um, apparently 60% of Leap's spectrum is in a band that uh, T-Mobile has a major presence in. So um, a lot of people are thinking that you know this is an attempt uh, by AT&T to kind of block some of uh, T-Mobile's spectrum expansion and. Uh, that's probably part of it. I mean, that's the way mm. the big guys operate. Um, <laughs> but you know, so. all's love, all's fair in love and war, right? That's right. I guess. But it's, uh, uh, <laughs> it's interesting because I uh, was walking our property today with a cell tower representative, and um, basically, AT and T is the one very interested in our location, uh, along with a couple other carriers. So everyone's fighting to to expand. Uh, their cell tower and their networks and their spectrum, everything else, because of the explosion of the mobile devices. Um, and it's getting faster, and as it gets faster, more people start using it. Yep, absolutely. It is big business, and it's not going to do anything but get even bigger. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, interesting information. So, all right. Well, uh, the next thing that uh, – 
I've got here is Yahoo. Now, Yahoo, we talk about Yahoo a lot. I think it's, uh, at least for me, um, and, of course, that's what we get to talk about is the things that, things that interest <laughs> me. So <laughs> hopefully it interests more than just me, but it, it's uh, big news, um, at least among the uh, the news outlets, because Yahoo just released their second quarter uh, earnings, and um, Yahoo, of course, over the course of the last year has um, done a lot, made a lot of moves, and uh, I think it was a year as of yesterday that they um, hired in uh, their new CEO, uh, Meyer, and she has certainly uh, shaken things up a good bit, and um you know, it's kind of interesting. The, the the reports were kind of mixed. I think the revenue was actually uh, down. Second quarter revenue was down from uh, last year's second quarter revenue almost uh, 7%. They had a 7% decline. Um, I think uh, this this uh, quarter's was $1.1 billion, and last year's second quarter was $1.2 billion. So it definitely took a, a slide of 7%. But um, there was a lot of positive news too, and their uh, their stock price is up uh, almost 74% since Meyer took over. So uh, that that certainly doesn't hurt her um, standing at all as far as the uh, the stock price is concerned. But you know it may be Barrett that they are kind of shifting their focus because the ad revenue is really um down and that's where i guess they uh they started off the company that was a big piece of of their business um but their ad revenue was down uh, almost 12 percent um so so they're definitely taking a beating there but um you know they're kind of re maybe reinventing themselves a little bit on the mobile front that seems to be what a lot of people are thinking you know they've come out with a lot of new uh, apps and they've purchased some apps and had some uh, acquisitions. So there's a lot of uh, activity going on uh, with with Yahoo, but it seems yeah. to be a little bit away from from the uh, ad revenue side. Well, either that or they're just that they've had some declines in uh, viewership and that's and they're still trying to catch up with that process. So so the residual impact, I suppose, of of declining viewership over the last several years affecting their ad revenue. The, the question is whether with their new mobile focus, whether or not that will be sufficient to increase the viewership and the and then you know obviously get more advertisers uh, and be able to charge higher prices. They do seem to be streamlining, becoming more disciplined and more focused in what they're doing, mm-hmm. which I think is good. Uh, I'd like to see them succeed if no for no other reason than just the competition. Frankly, is good for all of us. Right. But I still have to say, even though they've uh, streamlined their website some, if you go to their website, it's still still pretty messy with these yard, uh, large flashy ads and banner ads and everything else and uh, at least from my perspective it's just kind of a nuisance to have to deal with yeah yeah and i got to say i have really not um you know looked at their website in a good while i just don't have a a reason to go there and um and, and i think that's their battle i mean i think that's yeah. that's the struggle they have well at this point you know google's just got such a huge uh, margin over um, both Yahoo and um, uh, Microsoft, Bing, I guess, is mm-hmm. is the other competitor there. And those three, out of those three, um, Google's got like seventy or eighty percent of the market, and um, it's it's just a huge battle. Now that's not to say it couldn't be overcome, but um, there there's a lot of work to do on that front. Well, Bill, don't you think the biggest struggle for them is what would be a compelling reason in terms of a new product or features or something that Yahoo would offer that you can't get from these competitors such as Google? Uh, it, you know, If they simply make their existing product line better, that's good, but I don't know that it's compelling enough to get people to switch habits. Right. Exactly. And you know, maybe that's what they're trying to do um, on the mobile front in terms of shifting focus there a little bit that um you know the mobile device uh, if they can integrate more of their uh their products and including the search piece um then that would just kind of uh you know focus it more on the search side on the mobile but you know Google's got a, a huge um foot there as well so I don't know I I kind of see a more um, just kind of reinventing themselves a little bit, and if they can produce some or continue to produce uh, and acquire 
good mobile products, I mean, that, that could be a big thing for them. Right. Uh, the other interesting piece to their, I think, to their stock price and, and a, a driver for uh, how that has really risen over the last year is their uh, stake in this Alibaba group, and that's mm-hmm. um, China's largest e-commerce company. So I think Yahoo has about a 24% stake in that, and I don't really know what the uh, origin or genesis of that was, but that uh, appears to be a good um, piece of their pie right now. And uh, Yeah, although there was a lot of conflict between the two companies uh, there, at least for a period of time. I haven't heard much recently, but I uh, wasn't sure how all that was going to turn out. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm not really sure, but and I don't, I don't really know that much about Alibaba. I don't know if um, that's something we have access to here in the states, or if that's strictly a, a China uh, offering. Have you ever seen it or know anything about it? No, I, I've heard about it, uh, but but I'd be afraid to get on it for fear the government might see my data. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's not the kind of trail we need to be leaving, right? Well, I say that partly in jest with the NSA, but I know, <laughs> anyway. I know. But you're right. I mean, it's it's that digital trail that uh, that's right. You know, yep. comes behind us. So anyway, um, but you know. Uh, like I said, they've they've uh, Yahoo has been doing a lot of uh, acquisitions, and we've talked about Flickr being a really big one. Um, I think that was a huge. I think that was over a billion dollar spend to uh, bring them into the fold. And then I don't know if you saw this one, but uh, this Q Wiki um, that was one of their most recent. I think just maybe in the last two or three weeks, uh, they purchased Q Wiki, which is a a video creation, a mobile video creation app, and um, it's—I uh, wasn't that familiar with it until I saw it pop up on Yahoo's radar, and uh, I got a hold of it and uh, made a few little videos with it. And it's really pretty slick. I was um, impressed with it and and um, had some fun with it. So uh, if they make a few tweaks and um, somehow or another, you know, heighten its visibility, I think that'll be a good. Um, a good piece of the pie for Yahoo as well. But um, and then the last little note uh, talking about Meyer uh, and mergers and acquisitions. Since she's been there, just in the last year, she is uh, has accounted for 20% of the mergers and acquisitions and purchases that Yahoo has made. So that's <laughs> that. She's not sitting. She's not sitting around, is she? No, that tells you something right there. I think uh, 17 yeah. out of 83 merger acquisitions uh, and, and purchases um, can be attributed to her. So she's definitely uh, on the fast track there, trying to make things happen. So and and the reports that I've seen, uh, the morale and is really up at uh, Yahoo, and um, she's really brought some changes into the um, workplace that I think are helping a whole lot. So with with the exception of her telecommuters. Yeah, well, (laughs) that's true. I mean, that, that was a a huge uh, surprise, but But, you know, know, they may have gotten over that. They may have decided, you know, it's not so bad coming at the office sometimes. Yeah. Well, when they give you free lunch and a bunch of other perks, you know, that helps out a little bit as well. So um, have you thought about uh, doing that in your lunchroom there at the school, Barrett? Uh, no. <laughs> no, I, no, uh, no. Yeah, you don't quite have the budget for that, I guess. No, right? not quite. Uh, and I can't give. Uh, what is it that she gave away? The uh, from um, uh, the uh, not the Fitbit, but yeah. what was it? The up the what was it? Yeah, the, uh, up the up. up uh, yeah. yeah. In fact, I've I got a little mind, note I, about that. Uh, I wouldn't mind giving those away to some of my faculty. That might help our insurance policies. That'd be good. So. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, I got a little note about that. We'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. But those uh, those fitness bands. Yeah, that was another mm-hmm. little perk that she brought to uh, to the company uh, a few weeks ago. So, all right. Um, of course, I, I like to poke a little bit of fun at Microsoft every now and then. So, I saw a uh, article about their uh, surface and once again they um, are kind of indicating they're having a little bit of trouble with that device and they've slashed the prices on that another $150 so um, you know that's uh, I guess that's not real surprising but um, they must be taking a bit of a beating on that uh, they've only sold uh, about 1.5 million uh, since uh, 
October 2012. So, you know, a little less than a year, that's mm-hmm. all they've been able to. And I don't know if that's really sold or if that's just what they've um, delivered. Push uh, out to the stores, right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So they, um, they're they having a little bit of trouble with that, which uh, I don't think comes at any surprise to us. So, um, you know, they, uh, they're they definitely trying on that front, but I don't know if the uh, – the price drop is going to have a big impact on that or not. I guess, I guess to some folks it will, but it's still, I think the the cheapest model is $350. So uh, it's still not a, a easy purchase by any means, but um, so we'll see how, how Microsoft does. Just kind of keep an eye on that. They, they've still got a lot of work to do with that. Um, Google announced a uh, a new iOS Maps app that they're going to be coming out with soon. And, um, again, that's not a big surprise, I don't think. Um, they are uh, trying to uh, improve it from uh, both a, a mobile phone as well as a tablet. I think this new one's going to be um, better fit for... Uh, working on a tablet, both the iPads and Android tablets. Um, they're bringing some new design features for uh, working there. And um, enhanced navigation, and this is something I was kind of expecting um, or not surprised to see because of their purchase of uh, Waze not too long ago. We talked about that also. But um, I think they're going to be including some new features to alert uh, people related to bad traffic conditions and helping direct around uh, traffic jams and closures and detours and that type of thing, uh, as well as some, uh, you know, interactive with uh, real-time type reporting, which that's something that Waze was uh, real good at doing. So we're going to be seeing that uh, in the not-too-distant future, I believe, Um, and they probably are going to have some other um, improvements as well there. So now, Bill, I'm I'm interested. Uh, that's focused on the iPad. Uh, have you heard anything about improvements for the iPhone version? Because I would think people in their cars are more apt to, uh, no pun intended, but more apt to use the iPhone version as opposed to the iPad version uh, for navigation purposes, at least if they're driving. Uh, yeah. Have you heard anything about that? Or Well, I, I guess I'd, I kind of assumed if they're going to be making these kind of improvements that they would be including some of these um navigation enhancements at least on the uh, the iPhone cuz I agree I mean um in the in the car where you're probably going to use it the most uh, that's that's the device people are going to be um utilizing more than the tablet so mm-hmm. um but this report I don't think it um it said anything other than it was going to include iPad support now so um I think they were implying that it it's going to uh, be an update to you know the app both on the iPhone as well as um, expanding to the iPad. So that's how I took it anyway. So we'll have to see when it actually uh, hits the device. Well, that should be good news for you. You were a Waze user, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so, so now you've got uh, both potentially merged into just one app, and you don't have to worry about two of them. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's um, a little bit confusing when you have both your Google Maps and your <laughs> Waze running at the same time because they will run together. And, uh, of course, the, the voice automation, the, the navigation controls and all that, uh, the turn-by-turn navigation uh, tends to to step over each other. <laughs> well, Bill, I'll tell you a funny story. We're just quickly on that. I uh, I had uh, gone to the to the lake for uh, for vacation, and uh, I used Google Maps to try to locate a grocery store from the lake house. And um, I didn't realize it had voice activated turn by turn. I guess for whatever reason, uh, or and it I didn't have it connected correctly to my Bluetooth system in my car. So I was just following along, looking at it as I needed to. Well, I get out of the car, and I get in the grocery store, and I threw the phone in my pocket. At that point, of course, it's disconnected from Bluetooth. And all of a sudden, out of my pocket are coming turn-by-turn directions <laughs> oh, really? as I walk pa- yeah, as I, as I walk past the cashier. And they turn around and look at me like, well, do you need help in navigating the aisles? Or what, yeah, what, are you, exactly. what are you looking for exactly? Yeah, you must be so, really bad on that. Uh, yeah, it must be pretty bad. But uh, that was pretty funny, but that helped me to correct that problem to, so I could use it uh, with voice activation. So mm-hmm. that was pretty good. Exactly, exactly. All right. Um, well, the other thing that uh, caught my attention was um, 
another Google type uh, issue around YouTube, and apparently YouTube has um, rented a um, big uh, video. Um, what do you call it? The uh, um, uh, what's that? Studio? Yeah, yeah, the studio. Yeah, yeah. Um, there in, in Hollywood, it's um, they are trying to uh, upgrade or improve some of the videos that the, that are uploaded to YouTube, and um, so they're actually making this big, huge uh, facility available um, to certain video producers. It's not just for for anybody, apparently, but uh, this is like a forty-one thousand square foot building in Los Angeles that. Um, they have rented out, and if you are a certain type of video producer, you can take advantage of it for free. And I think the um, criteria is that uh, creators and, and video producers have to uh, have at least 10,000 followers, so that's a few more than I've got, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> they've got to conti- uh, have to have a consistent publishing schedule and um, have over 100,000 views per month so um that probably cuts out the vast majority of us uh amateur video producers but <laughs> but some people are going to be able to uh, take advantage of that and it'll be kind of neat to see uh what they uh, generate because they've got uh some pretty elaborate sets there green screens visual effects stations makeup rooms uh just all the professional type facilities that you would expect and um I'm sure there's a few folks just uh, salivating, uh, waiting to get into that facility to uh, to produce some of their videos. So that'll be kind of fun, um, you know. I think a lot of creativity will come out where people have the the creativity, but not necessarily the equipment that they need to do a superb job. Uh, this could really make uh, some interesting uh, viewer on YouTube. Oh yeah, absolutely, and that's. That's big, a uh, big business these days. You know, the the production of the video, uh, and of course trying to attract eyeballs with quality video on a number of of the online services these days. So um, it's just another one of the the quirky business models that Google puts together. And of course they've got the the cash to to do those kind of things. If um, you know, it ends up. Uh, Adding to their bottom line, as far as the the advertisements are concerned, um, they they're going to do it. So you won't see many people make this kind of an offer, but uh, Google is in the position to do that. So um, somebody's going to have a lot of fun uh, getting into that facility. All right, and then the uh, the in the fun category, and we alluded you alluded to this a few minutes ago, Barrett, is that. Um, one of the perks that uh, Yahoo and Marissa Meyer has um, made available to to their employees is the Up Fitness Band, and they've got about 11,000 employees, and I believe they're going to give a fitness band to all of them. So um, this is a little device, if you're not familiar with it, that you can wear on your wrist, and <clears throat> it will track your movement and your sleep patterns and uh, a number of other things as far as fitness is concerned and just kind of help people um, uh, keep track and I guess compete against others and have a little friendly competition to to uh, see who can get the most steps in and uh, who's sleeping the best uh, maybe <laughs> I don't know but uh, <laughs> the telecommuters <laughs> yeah exactly yeah find out if the if the telecommuters are, are being a little bit uh, still, then that might jump <laughs> yeah, up there, on the. Uh, there may be more to that than we know. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, maybe that's how yeah. she she banned it in the first place. Some, some yeah. people were wearing that and they didn't know about it. Yeah, maybe she's monitoring it. So exactly. Yeah. But um, those I think those bands cost about one hundred thirty dollars. So that's mm. uh, that's a nice uh, you know at least some people are going to appreciate that. Um, some people are probably going to wish they they never heard about it, but. Um, that's uh, that's what she's doing, and I think part of that uh, is is a little bit um, uh, on her agenda because she uh, apparently just joined the board of the uh, the company that produces that Up device or the Up Fitness Band. That's a Jawbone company, so um, that probably helped or, or gave her a little bit of an idea about um, about doing that. So. Anyway, that's that's our fun category for this week, and uh, 
again, just kind of thinking outside of the box and something that uh, can increase their employee morale. So, well, maybe I can get the school board to uh, increase school morale. What do you think? Uh, yeah, that's fine <laughs> with me. Or, yeah, or at least the the school board needs to test it out. You know, we've been yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you got to do a a, a a demo, a trial run there somewhere. So. <laughs> All right. Well, that kind of covers the uh, some of the hot topics that I noticed um, this past week or two. I don't know, Barrett, did uh, anything else that I didn't cover here catch your attention? Uh, no, I think those are the basics that I've been following as well. Yeah, okay. Well, good. So I'm not too far off base then, huh? Well, I don't think so. so. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> All right, well, the next uh, section... We're going to talk a little bit about um, is uh, something that Barrett's been writing. I think you've put together three uh, blog posts on going paperless. So I thought uh, we could kind of kick it over to you, Barrett, and let you kind of cover the the highlights and what your experiences have been, and uh, give us a little background on doing that. I know that's a pretty hot topic these days. A lot of people are trying to um, implement a paperless strategy and their workflow. So um, tell us a little bit about what you did. Well, interestingly enough, Bill, a little uh, self-promotion here, although it's not intended that way, really. Uh, but it's really more of a surprise and I guess maybe a confirmation in some ways. I got an email from Apple uh, that uh, their, that article had been distributed to a couple of folks, and they're starting to pass it around to their various colleagues. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I was a bit surprised. So I emailed my rep, and I said, well, uh, because I had uh, – another guy emailed me and said he bought all new uh, Apple products and left Windows uh, as a result of reading my article. So I emailed my rep, and I said, I think Tim owes me a commission Definitely. or something. And uh, he said, well, <laughs> I don't know about a commission. Maybe we can arrange a coffee mug. So mm -hmm. <laughs> we'll see if I get a coffee mug in the mail. But At least. The, yeah, at least. But anyway, the uh, you know it was a pretty successful series. Well, one of the more successful series that I've written on the blog, and there were three parts, and I won't go into all of those. But essentially, it it covered why it was important for me to try to get to operating in a paperless environment, and then essentially what I use, and then I actually created some diagrams showing the workflow and a few tables, you know, indicating here's. Here's the category of work you might do. Here's the products underneath that category, and, and here's the particular ones that I use. So that's how I tried to approach it, trying to make it as practical as possible. And, I, and I, what, what it seems to me, given my, the response that I received, was that people were facing the same problem that I have been facing, uh, particularly if you're an information worker and a professional, is that you have a lot of information coming at you, but it's in all different media types, and so you're you are you know constantly straddling the world between the digital and the analog, and uh, so things were coming at you verbally and in paper and uh, by email, and you'd have notebooks, and then you'd have meeting notes, and you'd have books and magazines and you know uh, chat conversations and video calls and you name it. Uh, and it was very difficult to keep all of those things connected in a coherent, easy-to-access fashion uh, based upon projects or people or items that you had delegated, etc. So uh, I have worked uh, pretty uh, hard on this, and I have to say that I think I've pretty much arrived at really a paperless solution. There's literally no paper in my office to speak of except for nice books I have on my bookshelves uh, for aesthetic purposes as much as anything else. Um, and so I wanted to increase my productivity uh, by being able to find any document or message from any device, any time, pretty much any place. Uh, and I also wanted a central inbox. I didn't want to have to look at six different locations or places for different types of material. So I wanted one place to go to to process my work. Uh, I obviously wanted to be more efficient in speeding up my workflow. Uh, I also needed to uh, improve the ability to collaborate with my colleagues and associates both within our two-campus structure here but uh, in other parts of the country and the world as well. So I was looking for a way to how can I collaborate effectively with them. I wanted to automate my my backup of my documents and my communications and my books in case there was a failure of some sort, a hardware failure, a fire, or something of that nature. Uh, and I also wanted to be able to take notes in meetings but without being geeky in the process. And uh, Bill, if you've ever been in a meeting where uh, there are a lot of people around that have laptops, uh, that's not uncommon. But the screen sort of puts a barrier between people. And in fact, right. uh, some people end mm -hmm. up multitasking. Uh, the keyboards can be clacky. 
you know, and I really wanted to avoid that during meetings. So I was trying to figure out how do I take notes and still digitize everything. And so there were just a whole host of things that I was wanting to try to, to accomplish, which prompted me to, to move towards uh, the paperless environment. Uh, and then I articulated uh, in the articles the various things I use. I'm going to share a few of those now, but I'm not going to go into how I use them or exactly what all of them do. The title doesn't permit that, but just give a quick list. And I guess, Bill, you can put some of this on the show notes if you'd like. And yeah, maybe, absolutely. Yeah, maybe even some links to some of them. But essentially, uh, the hardware that I use at this point almost exclusively is my Mac, my iPad, my iPhone, and my what's called the Fabri-Skin keyboard for my iPad and a Fiji- Fujitsu scanner, a scanner, and uh, so that, that's essentially my hardware. And then on the software front, I basically use uh, Apple products and Google products uh, for all the production software, such as iWorks, iLife, Google Docs, etc. Uh, then, like for this podcast, I'm using Skype, and of course, I've also used Google Hangouts rather extensively. Uh, I have, uh, I think we've discussed in the past, Bill, on one of the podcasts that uh, I've uh, started using ByWord as my primary. Uh, writing software uh, to avoid all the complications and the distractions of major word processors. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of these products that I use, the neat thing about them is that I have all of these products on all of my devices at all the time, and everything is always synced together with almost no intervention on my part. That's hard to beat, yep. um, and that solves a lot of problems. So I have ByWord. I have a Scrivener. I use Papers 2, which is a bibliographical uh, software for citations, things like that. I use Text Expander for snippets and uh, automating a lot of uh, paragraphs and other things that I might type on a, a very frequent basis. Dropbox for some syncing. Evernote for archiving notes. I have OmniFocus for my project management. I use a PDF Pen Pro rather than Acrobat Pro uh, for PDF annotations and sharing for a number of reasons. Uh, password management, as you know, Bill, can be quite a chore. Oh, yeah. um, and given uh, recent problems, uh, I basically have started using 1Password and uh, having it to create very complex uh, passwords that I use a different password on every single site that I have, and there's two-step two-step verification, so that's essential for that purpose. Uh, Then for just reading, keeping up things for this blog, uh, magazines, uh, RSS feeds, that kind of thing, pardon me, I use uh, Flipboard and Zite. And again, there are a lot of other applications, but those are probably, uh, along with iBooks and Kindle, are probably the uh, the core of my productivity apps that enable me to literally work paperlessly. Um, If I walk into a meeting and I'm handed paper, which often happens, the very first thing I do is I get back to the office, I scan it into my system, and the paper's gone. Right. So it's really worked well. Good. It really has. So so what are you using for um, just your collection uh, location for you know your inbox, your your electronic inbox? You said everything goes to one place. Right. So what is that place? Uh, this whole process can all go ultimately it goes into OmniFocus. Now it may arrive as an email to me. It could be a digital document of some sort. But it's either going to end up in one of three – it's going to come in, and the inbox is going to usually be my uh, my inbox or my scanner, basically. Uh, I've got a piece of paper, and I scan it. At that point, it goes into my system. Uh, if it's email-based and there's attachments to it, that gets to on me focus. If it's a task, if it's something I just want to archive for future reference, it would probably go into Evernote. Right. So. And uh, so OmniFocus, Evernote, Google Drive are the three that work closely together, and uh, and my primary inbox is my email box because I can email things to Evernote. I can email things to OmniFocus. I can email things to Pocket, you know, whatever I need to do. So Right, right. Okay, well, that sounds good. I know we could talk about that all night, but uh, I guess the main thing is the details are, are in your blog post, right? So that's where yes, we really yes. need to point people. And I... I'll definitely have that in the show notes so people can reference that uh, after they uh, they hear us talking here. So, um, yeah, let's uh, definitely check that out if you're interested in going paperless because I know that uh, Barrett's done a great job on uh, putting all that together. So a lot of good detail there and um, a lot of good uh, ideas. So appreciate you doing that, Barrett. I think that will be real helpful for a lot of people. Well, it's been helpful to me, and so if it could be helpful to others, that would be a blessing to me. So I hope it is. Great. All right. Okay. Well, let's um, move then to our uh, apps and followings. That's kind of where we uh, give our listeners a few picks for 
uh, things that they might want to check out from a, an app standpoint or uh, Twitter. Uh, so, Barrett, what do you have for us um, on that front this week? Well, I want to share one app this week, and it's really a, a neat, uh, very helpful app, and it's called Rename It. It's two words, Rename It. Uh, and basically, it's a file renaming program or application. I think it was $0.99, cents, if I'm not mistaken, or two ninety-nine, one one of the two. And uh, it allows you to either on one file at a time or a whole batches of files uh, add a whole new naming scheme to those files. Uh, and you can put things at the beginning of the file name, at the end of the file name. Uh, there's a, you can tag it. You can add the dashes and spaces. You can format the dates. Uh, format you want to use in a file name, that kind of thing. The reason I share this with you is going paperless requires me to have a very consistent and disciplined file naming uh, protocol that I use. Right. Uh, well, I haven't always done that, and so I'm doing a little bit of backtracking. So I use rename it to select groups of files within folders and add a naming convention to them. So, for example, uh, following uh, Max Barkey's uh, uh, advice and his book, uh, Paperless, that I would also recommend to help me, uh, was to always include uh, the date of the document uh in the file name itself, but not always the creation date. You know, your finder or your Spora window will often tell you when it was created. Yeah. But if you have an invoice come in, you may receive it multiple days from the date of the actual invoice. So this enables you to name uh, date those files based upon the actual date of the invoice or whatever else you need. So it's just a good way to grab multiple files and rename them uh, for fac- faster access uh, than you could do on a one-to-one basis. So uh, I've used it. I'm uh, very pleased with it. It works very well. So that's uh, an OSX app. Is that right? It, it, uh, no, it's actually for my Mac. Well, yeah, what, yes, yeah, yes, OSX, yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, for so, the Mac, yes. Okay. All righty. What about Twitter? Uh, my Twitter pick uh, this evening would be read write. It's one word, read, R-E-A-D-W-R-I-T-E. You can follow read write uh, at R-W. It's at R-W. They have uh, about a million three hundred some uh, followers, and it's one of the most widely read and respected tech blogs in the world. And uh, I pick up a lot of good uh, tech news and tips uh, from read write, so I would recommend it. All right. Cool. Very good. Well, I had a couple this week. My um, my app pick is not really um, something that's going to be unfamiliar to many people, but um, they have uh, made some uh, changes recently to it that I think make it a little more uh, interesting of an app. But it's Instagram, and uh, of course, most people are aware of the, of the uh, social photo sharing app Instagram. Uh, and it's a free app. It doesn't cost anything. But they just recently added uh, in their new version the ability to capture and share uh, video clips. Now, the video clips are pretty pretty short, or at least you, you think they're short. Fifteen seconds doesn't sound uh, like a very long period of time. But it seems like uh, more and more happens quicker and quicker these days, Barrett. That's what I'm seeing. Seeming to find anyway, and uh, 15 seconds, you can capture a decent amount of uh, of action in that period of time. Uh, I think I've, I've used it a few times at some baseball games that I recently went to, and uh, captured the the hot dog beating the hamburger across the finish line. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, you're probably not going to need one of those new Google Studios, though, for your 15-second no. video, are you? Well, you know, so. I've kind of given up on being able to take advantage of that. So this is okay. this is the next best thing for me, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, but um, there, there is uh, another, I think it's Vine, it's the Twitter mm-hmm. uh, video piece, and I think they limit you to uh, six seconds of video, at least that's what I recall. Um, so that's even almost uh, two-thirds of a shorter period of time. But I think 15 seconds is, you know, that's it's a decent little clip that you can you can grab here and there. Um, in fact, on their, uh, on the Instagram site, you've got, um, uh, they've got now a Steve Jobs movie trailer, you know, the new movie that's coming out um, around uh, that uh, subject, around Jobs' life and, uh, they have a 15-second video trailer for that. So um, if you haven't seen that, you might want to 
take a, a quick look at it because that kind of shows you uh, what can be captured in that uh, short period of time. And it's it's a it's a decent little video trailer. I was pretty impressed. Um, and then um, another interesting piece of the way Instagram works is all the videos and all the photos are square, which is um, a little odd in this day and age. 16 by 9 is is more of the uh, standard um, you know framework of, for a, a, a photo and a video, but they've elected to go with a square, so um, uh, you know that's kind of what works for them. Um, but anyway, I wonder if that's related, Bill, to the number of devices that that needs to work on, and you got all lots of different kinds of screen sizes. Would would that have anything to do with it? Uh, I don't think so. I think what it's <laughs> more about is the old um, what was the old Polaroid um, Instamatic? Oh, I see. Wasn't that yes. a square picture? Yes, it was. I yes. think that's what uh, you know the the it's kind of a retro look. Right, exactly, and they've kind of followed that, so um, that fits in with their name and. Uh, but you know the whole company is kind of interesting because it was launched way back in 2010 in October 2010 that was the the kickoff <laughs> of that company and then it was was bought by Facebook for uh, a, a mere 1 billion dollars <laughs> in cash and stock so uh, they did that in uh April of 2012 so it wasn't even what well, was less than 2 years old and uh that so was, I wonder how much they made per hour <laughs> and coming up with Instagram, creating it, and then selling it a couple of years later. That's pretty good uh, wages, I'd say. Yeah, I think they came <laughs> out pretty good on that deal. But, um, you know, it's just amazing uh, companies like this have been springing mm. up. And, of course, it, they're certainly um, the exception rather than the rule. But they're not the only one, and there's, you know, been some others that um, have kind of followed this same path. Um the, the founders had some pretty good um, uh, background. I think they graduated from Stanford and, uh, you know, had, had a pretty good pedigree there. But, um, you know, just just pretty amazing. And just as of uh, February 2013, they had over 100 million active users. So That's um, amazing. A lot of people, still kind of small compared to Facebook, but there's, there's some rumblings out there that, um, Instagram could overtake Facebook. I mean, you know, I guess one of the problems, and I'm not a big Facebook user. Um, in fact, I think I've said before I limit it to just family, just to kind of yeah, keep that's it, what I do. Keep yep. it uh, manageable. But you know, the the thing about Instagram is that it's much more simplistic. And I think in the world of of all the complications, all the complicated things we have to deal with. Um, you know, a simple app like this uh, has a lot of uh, following and, and is nice to, to be able to use. It's very limited in its functionality and um, just easier to use. So I think people kind of gravitate to that. Bill, uh, don't you, wouldn't you foresee the uh, political campaigns using it to sh- put out short 15-second videos on a candidate or, or business brands using it to short 15-second commercials? I mean, absolutely. it seems almost ideal for that to happen. Oh, absolutely. I think so. And I think I think Briarwood needs to put out some little 15-second clips on uh, different happenings around the campus. Now, that is a thought that had never occurred to me. Uh-huh. Uh, that is a, that's a great thought. And look how cool I'll be. I'll be yeah. an Instagrammer. So. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I, I could use some more cool, so that's all right. Sure. Well, that's one of the things we need to get going with your uh, your new video production program that you're going to be <laughs> starting Yeah, up, absolutely. Right? All right. Okay. Uh, that's a great idea. All right. I got my money's worth tonight on the podcast. Good, right. good, good, good. All right. Well, the last thing I had um, from my Twitter pick uh, is uh, called iPhone Hack X. It's a I P H O N E H A C K X, and um, they are just really, um, you know, a, a, a place where you can go and get a lot of information about uh, your iPhone, how to better use it, and um, what's going on uh, around the iPhone. Um, environment and, and users. So, you know, with the new iPhone uh, in the pipeline, I think um, at least that's what most uh, prognosticators are saying right now. It's it's uh, in 
in production and uh, hopefully be hitting the shelves sometime in the the fall. But with that going on, um, the the iPhone Hack X would be a good uh, place to kind of keep up with with what all's going on there and and how better to use your iPhone. So uh, that's what I was going to share for that this week. And uh, hopefully some of y'all find that helpful. So, Bill, that's not to uh, to unlock your phone, to hack it, right? That's no. just how to use it better. Right. It's to yeah, unlock yeah. the potential of your yes, iPhone. Right. So want to make sure we were clear on that. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm not into the hacking world, so <laughs> I'm not either, so all right. Yeah, we just wanna get the most out of our, our uh, devices. So that's what that's about. So, all right, well with that I think we're uh, about ready to, to wrap up our show for this week. So um I think we covered a lot of ground again uh today, Barrett, and um a lot of good information there. And if you didn't catch it all or um, want to find out more about it, you can uh, definitely follow us on the Internet, and uh, you'll get more information here. And you can follow me uh, on Twitter at Bill Brazil. That's B-I-L-L-B-R-A-Z-E-A-L. And the website is BillBrazil.com. And that's where you will find... Um, this audio uh, podcast as well as the show notes and other information so uh, check me out there and uh, hopefully you'll get some more information that would be of value to you and Barrett where can we find you you can follow me on Twitter at B Mossbacker that's at B-M-O-S-B-A-C-K-E-R and of course those who are interested in the paperless article or others uh, can go to my blog Christian School Journal. Uh, there's no the, and it's just Christian School Journal one word dot com. All right, very good. And as always, hopefully, uh, you might be interested in dropping us a line and uh, let us know what you think of our podcast. Love to hear from uh, you guys out there. So feel free to drop us a line, and also tell your friends uh, if you feel there's some value here, and we'd love to add some additional listeners. So. Uh, we will be uh, back in a few weeks, uh, exactly when, I don't know, but uh, we'll get our schedules together and uh, put together another show in several weeks, so we look forward to doing that. But until then, so long for now, and we will catch you next time.